Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast, with Tony Marinero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3, Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. You're in the ball. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la bonne fois. Ce sera la victoire des Canadiens. pour les Canadiens. Le match troisième de l'histoire. You found the dogs, John. You found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. It's going to be sick. Marinaro on this Friday, June 9th. Happy 30-year anniversary to the 1993 Stanley Cup champion, Montreal Canadiens. Where has the time gone? Oh, I can't wait to dive into it. But I want to say special thanks to our partners, Energy Transportation Group, recently named by Deloitte and CIBC, one of Canada's best managed companies, the country's leading business award, recognizing innovative and world-class companies, the best managed Canadian companies, Designation fuels energy's purpose of creating progress for their customers, their employees, and their communities. Join a winning team and check out Energy's career page for available opportunities. Also, Brood in Quebec, these guys right here, Labitta TV, a winner of a dozen international awards. Labitta TV offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. Labitta TV, embrace your true nature. And also brought to you in part by Playground your premier gaming destination experience the world renowned poker experience with free food and drinks at their cash game tables, a bad beat jackpot approaching $1.8 million weekly promotions, daily tournaments and unmatched customer service. Why play anywhere else located just over the Mercia bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal playground. Yeah. 30 years since the Montreal Canadiens last won the Stanley Cup, the last Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup 30 years ago. I remember game five like it was yesterday. Paul DiPietro gave the Montreal Canadiens a uh, one nothing lead. 
And the gentleman who's going to join us next also um, was in on the scoring in that final game. He scored what ended up proving to be the eventual game-winning goal. And Stefan LeBeau, who scored goal number three, will also join us on the SICK podcast. And Paul DiPietro scored his second goal of the game. And the Canadians win 4-1, to one, four games to one, capturing their 24th Stanley Cup. Without further ado, Kirk Muller. How are you, Kirk? I'm doing great, Tony. How so are you good, doing? So good to see you, Kirk. Thanks so much for doing this. I'm doing extremely well. Kirk, 30 years ago, I was a 20-year-old Montreal Canadiens fan, not yet in the business, hoping to get into the business one day. And um, I got a funny story about you and me getting into the business, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I shouldn't start off this way, but my first day... <laughs> we were a package. My first day on the job, I was interning at CFMB 1410 AM radio, uh, Montreal's ethnic station. I was on Sunday nights as an intern from midnight to two in the morning. I got Montreal Canadiens accreditation. I go to a practice and I find out that Serge Savard is in a meeting with Kirk Muller. And you come out and you had just got the news. What a way to start this show today. It's unbelievable. But you had just got the news that you were traded, Kirk. Yes. And as you can recall, you were very emotional. It was my first day in the business. I cried the entire way home. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> Damn you. For, you so scared me. <laughs> you uh, me. Throw out the old and bring in the new, eh? It's yeah. like, <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. I was told that the, the old Montreal Forum when I get traded. But obviously, I was emotional because, as you know, and I think the city knows how much I, I love playing there, coaching there and that. So it's a special spot. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, talking today and like you say 30 years ago it's hard to imagine that we won the cup that long ago but uh still it's uh great memories and uh yeah. remember a lot better for sure you were in your prime as a hockey player kirk i think you were 26 years old you were the third leading goal scorer on the team bellows had 40 that year don Fus had 39 you had 37 can you imagine you give a team nowadays a 40 goal scorer a 39 goal scorer a 37 goal scorer not too shabby you were second on the team in points with 94. You were second on the team in the playoffs with 10 goals in 20 games. Second on the team in points with 17 points in 20 games. What a great year you had that year, Kirk Muller. It, well, it certainly was my, uh, you know, my best year, you know. And, and, uh, but, I mean, if you look at it and, you know, what you just mentioned there, I mean, that was the key to the hockey team, I think, you know, was, was the depth and we were really deceiving hockey team. You know, I mean, to this day, everyone's like, oh, you know, you guys won it, but you weren't the best team. And we're like, well, we, we certainly didn't think we were at the beginning of the year and we don't claim that, but we did come together as a great group of guys. We had such great chemistry with everybody. Everyone contributed. And, and you know what? You, you look at like Florida Panthers right now, they're, they're a really good example of, of almost a lot of like our hockey team. In 93, is, uh, everyone contributed. Everyone really uh, took on their roles you know, you had Carbo that did a lot of checking against top players and opened it up for, you know, uh, you know, Vinny and Brian and myself and that to create a little more offense. So it was uh, it was a special group because everyone just loved playing for each other. Talk to me about how it all started. I mean, if, if memory serves me well, the preseason was a little bit shaky, right? Not that preseason really matters, but back then every game mattered, including preseason. Was that the year that you had the early practice? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, we had a few things there. Yeah, uh, it was interesting. We went over to London, and uh, we had made the trade, you know, and you know, we had Brian Bellows had come in, and you know, Russ Courtney left, and everything. We got on that big ice surface over there, and I remember us saying, "Hey, we just traded a, a speedboat for a tugboat." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the speed, the speed wasn't there with Brian, but we all know what a great uh, big goal scorer he was. Uh, you know, with Montreal yeah. in his career, but they had we just there, we, Chelios for Savard too, had they not, Kirk? That was prior. That was before okay. that. Yeah. Okay, okay. And um, we, you know, we went over to London. We uh, played Chicago, uh, a couple exhibition games, uh, and uh, if I remember correctly, there was a few little fiascos that happened over there at the time and uh during you know what whatever but um the team really just bonded we came over uh we started off and uh you know it wasn't a perfect season for us and i think even the last 10 games of the year i think we only won like four games so no one really gave us a chance going into playing a team like quebec uh in that first round but uh like you say we had times that were you know jock pulled us in early in the morning and you know gave us the early skates and you know he's he gave us the old Humpty Dumpty. Uh, yeah. I remember that one where the, the, the rink was full, uh, you know, sold out. And yeah. he brought us out with no pucks and, and, and skated us for <laughs> So I go, that's the only time I ever got skated and I got booed at the same time. <laughs> um, but Jock had his way that way. He's a great uh, coach as far as, as far as getting to the guys and knowing. And we all love playing for him. And uh, But, you know, when you look at the group, it just the ups and downs. Uh, guys like Patrick and Carbell that had been there. We added Rob Ramich later on. You know, uh, you know, had great leadership, and we just stayed the course. We kept humble. We kept quiet. We let other teams, you know, get all the, you know, the hoopla and recognition, and we just, you know, went amongst our business. And we yeah. obviously walked into that first round against Quebec. You talked about having a difficult last month. If memory serves me well, you guys were first up until a month left in the season, or a month and a half. And then you got passed by Quebec and by Boston. Yes. And then yeah. you lose the first two games versus Quebec. So you, 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 you struggled down the stretch. Then you lose the two games versus Quebec. And now all of a sudden, yeah. no one's giving you a chance. No. And it's kind of cool because we, we went to, uh, before Quebec, we went for a couple of days away as a team uh, uh, in the uh, Eastern townships there and we practiced and we just hung out together. And I think that kind of separated the season with the, you know, the first round against Quebec and it gave us a chance to, to regroup. And, and like I said, everyone got along so great. So it was a great time to just kind of, you know, recompress and get ready for that series. And, you know, then we go in and we lose two games to Quebec. And like you say, you know, we, yeah. no one's really given us a chance. The really thing I think was one of those things that not many people know about is I know after game two, we stayed in Quebec and we had a little dinner at the hotel. And I remember Serge Savard getting up very calmly and saying, guys, I got one thing to say. We're like, oh, <laughs> big surge is mad. Uh, no, but you know what? Real calmly, he said, hey, if you guys keep playing the way you are, you guys will win the series. And he just said it with such calmness and confidence that he just sat down and we all just started to enjoy our dinner and everything. We went back. And I honestly, to this day, say that was probably the biggest uh, point of winning that cup is how there was no panic and everything. And, and I said to him years later, I said, did you really mean it? Or did you just say that? <laughs> <laughs> because it worked. And you know what? We went back. We were a confident group. We believed in ourselves. And geez, we ended up winning the next four. 
Let's see if 30 years later, if he can say it the same way. Serge, are you there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why, Serge? <laughs> I, I just came in. I just heard that. I just heard that. I, How are I, you, Kurt? Good. How are you doing? Very good. Very good. good. Very good. good. Time goes fast. It, it, you know, it seems like it's yesterday, really. Uh, I know people are saying 30 years is a long time, but... Uh, you know, some some other city, uh, you know, like Toronto, there the last time is '67, and 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 a lot of team goes for a long, long time. And we had the hundred anniversary not too far, about six years ago, and and see Montreal won uh, 24 times, so it's it's almost one every four years. So people were spoiled, uh, and and and. Waiting 30 years it might be normal, but it's not normal in this city because the because people were spoiled. You know yeah. the great the great dynasty of the Canadians in the 50, five in the road, the Bilbo Richard, and and then in the 70 we won it six times and four in the row, and then then you guys. Uh, it's uh, you know I've been part of both 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 times, so it's it's a uh, pretty. Pretty exciting, you know. Like uh, I was seven years old when Bellevue came in Montreal the first game. He, he had a tryout and he scored three games his first game, he had three goals his first game. He had a, <laughs> uh, and I was I, I was listening to the game on the radio, and then I played four years with him. I played four years with Bellevue, and uh, so you know, I I I, I looking back at. Uh, 93 is the last of my my cup, and and it's uh, I got so many great souvenirs, and uh, you know we were a good team, and and after losing those two, we know we lost yeah. only two, we lost only two the rest of the way. It's a record, yeah. uh, and, and our team got better and better and better, and and we learned one thing: we learn how to play as a team, and and a lot of teams forget that, and when you forget that, you yeah. cannot yeah. win. You cannot win, and and we got better. Yeah. We had great leaders. Well, we had great good, leaders. Uh, on our... I remember that game in Quebec, Kurt. That the, the goal you scored in overtime, and uh, I know I came by the dressing room and I and I and I yelled hard. I says, "Just shoot at him! He, he, you know he doesn't see the puck." Extol. <laughs> <laughs> He did, he was so nervous. Seriously, you know, seriously, yeah. he was so nervous, and and and. Uh, Sam, I don't if, know. I may, if I may, I'd like to talk to you about Hextall. But guys, before I do, and it's so awesome to see you guys reconnect here on the Sick Podcast. It's amazing. But let's get back to that speech for a second. You lose the first two games in Quebec. You lose the first one three two, on a goal in overtime by Scott Young. You lose the second one by a score of 4-1, if memory serves me well. And after game two, Kirk says you stuck around in Quebec City. And at one point, you had supper there. You get up and you say a speech. A, was I that... I think we had a problem with the, with the bus or something. We did. The okay. bus broke down and we had to stop <laughs> yeah. at the hotel. Jeez. Everything was yeah. breaking down down the but, street. But, you, yeah. know, you know, Tony, uh, the reason I spoke like that, I really believe what I said because... Any of those games we could have won, and 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 the last game, Dion, we were leading two one, and Dion took a penalty with a minute or two to go, behind their net, 
-hmm. you know, and they yeah. tied the game. We had the game. We had the game. Yeah. So we, we could easily win both. So that's why I said I, I think we're a better team. We 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 only finished two points behind them. We didn't finish 20 points behind them. And and we were way ahead early in the season. And after after those, you know, they were those guys. I I always remember when we came back in Montreal, Quebec was so confident of winning. We had a, a guest room for the for the in the playoffs for the visiting team, you know, a VIP room with their sandwiches and beer and wine and and soft drink and and we, we didn't have much room. We use we used the, the, the referees room for you know we were we had a whole building and we didn't have enough rooms. And I remember Paget, he kicked everything out in the corridor and he said, We don't want nothing from those guys. And I turn around after that. I says, "There's no way those, <laughs> those guys can win with that attitude. There's no way, no way they can win." With, and and we won four in a row. Kirk, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as a player back then. What you thought of his speech? Because it's an interesting speech. Because usually, human nature is if you lose a couple of games, the thing to say is, "Guys, we have to play better." No, I, I no, I, I couldn't say they play bad. They play well. No, no, but still, yeah. the, the, the human nature thing to, you know, to say. I, I cannot, gonna... I cannot tell the guy. So you, you wake up. You have to do say. No, they did everything right. Everybody yeah, worked their ass. You know, I so that I just said we're gonna win. But if you keep playing like that. I'm sure we're gonna win, Kirk. Yeah, I think the big thing was. Uh, if you look at our group, you know, other than you know Carbo and uh, Patrick you know, and Rob Ramich, you know, they're the only three guys that had won cups, you know, obviously Serge with his history and all that. So for us, the, you know, the pressure being Montreal and Quebec and, you know, going into that series and all that, it just meant a lot. And I think it just the calmness of what Serge said and the way he said it, you know, that's the big thing is that, you know, there's a lot of people that, and that's why I go back to this one speech I said is was a huge part of us moving forward is it just brought calmness and direction uh, and leadership to our whole group. And then honestly, I, as a player, I just sat down and it was like, all right, let's go, let's stay the course. And when you have a guy with uh, like Serge saying that, you know, I meant a lot more than he might've realized at the time, but we did go back and we were ready and we were confident as a internally and we were ready to go and, you know, take you back on. Serge, let me go back even a couple of years before that now, if I can. September 20, 1991, you make a trade with the New Jersey Devils. You acquire Kirk Muller and Roland Melanson uh, in return for um, Stefan Riche and Tom Chorsky. Talk to me about your mindset at that moment, how you identify Kirk Muller as one of the missing pieces to your puzzle, how long it took you to pull off a trade like that or not and how you felt after it was done well i i i you know curtis draft right after uh mario lemieux he, he's not like a sixth round overall he was draft right after mario lemieux is very very good player and and uh stefan stefan was a good player for us stefan scored 50 goal twice uh But 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 it's different, you know. What Kurt brought us, you know, he brought us some character, and and we needed that at that time. And I I, I think we had a complete team, you know. Uh, 
Dolphus and Bellows and and we had, we had those guys with that that you know they were the top top scorer the three top scorer in the league with Kurt we had close to 100 points so you know we we were a good team I remember in L.A. six years ago and I, I had a talk with uh, Gretzky and uh, at the end of the conversation Wayne says uh, Serge you know what your team was better than ours. And it's true. We we didn't win by luck. We were a better team. We were a better team. Uh, I remember uh, yeah. <laughs> on my side, I have to say, I hadn't met Serge really that very much before the trade. And he called me and he says, hey, you're welcome to Montreal. I kind of joked with him. I said, hey, is there any chance I could wear nine? <laughs> I, got, <laughs> I got him off guard. <laughs> so we're not in Jersey, but... But I mean, as an English guy coming to Montreal and being traded for a 50 goal scorer and French, you know, and stuff, he was a heck of a player. It was, it was, it was a lot of, it was kind of pressure internally for me, you know, because I was like, oh boy, I got, I'm not going to score 50. So, uh, and, and Mike Keane said to me, uh, first game of the season, Steph had uh, two goals in the afternoon, and I got to the rink for the eight o'clock game, and Keita says, no pressure. <laughs> But you're two behind him already. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's oh, like thanks, Kinner, thanks. Kinner would do that to make you good. You know? Yeah, yeah. You feel at home. <laughs> Serge acquiring Kirk was not only one of your biggest moves. Uh, it was. It wasn't the only biggest move. There were others. Uh, in the summer of don't talk about the wrong one. Just no, no. I will, I will, Today, I will. just talk about the good one. No, no. <laughs> don't worry about it, Serge. I'll make you look like the best GM in the history of hockey. Don't worry about it. Um, but in the summer of 1992, you hired Jacques Demers to be the coach of the Montreal Canadiens. And Jacques had been with St. Louis, uh, Quebec, St. Louis, uh, Detroit for about four years. And uh, it was an interesting choice because Jacques was known as a very emotional type, a guy that would lose his temper every now and then and throw the glasses and stuff. Um, talk to me about the hiring of Jacques Demers and how strong you felt about it and the work that Jacques did en route to this 93 Cup win? Well, uh, I knew a little bit about Jacques, but but one of my very, very good friends was Ronnie Caron, the prof Caron. And the prof, he's the one that hired him first in St. Louis in the National Hockey League. And I had many good talks with him. I knew exactly what I was getting when I got Jacques. I, I knew his good side and his weak side. Uh, and I thought he was the guy that we need at that time. Uh, uh, he's he's the kind of guy. He, he, he's very enthused, and 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 I know everybody likes him. You know, everybody. I I don't I don't remember any player that that mentioned to me. I don't want to play for this guy. Just trade me. And it happened with other coaches. Sometimes it doesn't work. But but I think Jock was a good. But it's a good coach for the players, I think, uh, and uh, not an, always in a positive way. It was a very, very, very positive. Uh, it was, you know, he tried to get to get the guy moving. He tried to, 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 you know, when when he brought all the sweaters and the director's lounge, and he brought everybody there, and he says, "Are you ready for war? If you're ready, if you want to play, just grab your sweater and bring it in the room." So what are you gonna do? Could you imagine a player that leave his, uh, his, his his jersey in in the director's lounge? So you know it, it it's 
it's a it's a good good rally. It's a good way to 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 pep up your guys. Yeah. So he was he was a good coach. I I, I like him, uh, and for me for, for me for for a GM was a lot easier to work with him than Pat Byrne. You know, like a guy like Pat was more of a loner. And you're trying to get Pat after a game to talk about the game, to look at the replay. It was very hard. Jacques, I just say, Jacques, I'd like to see you in five minutes. Jacques is there, and we talk about the situation. He was he was a, a very good guy to work with for a GM. Kirk, is it true that Jacques Demers, day one, said, we're going to shock the hockey world? And he was talking about the Stanley Cup either day one or like shortly thereafter? Yeah, he was – well, he's one of the most po- positive persons I, I know in the game, you know, uh, working with. And he did believe in the group, you know, and like you say, if he said that, a lot of people would be like, you know, there's other teams that got a lot more recognition and, you know, uh, media attention than, than we did. But like Serge said earlier, you know, people forgot that this team put 100 points up a few years in a row, and that's not easy to do. So when Jock came in – you know, what he was able to do was he kind of opened the gates a little bit for some guys. And so if we were talking earlier about the season, it was up and down a little bit. Well, I think the first half we were, we were pushing a little more offensively than we had, had in the couple of years before that. And then we finally were like, hey, we got to pull back. We're not going to go and outscore Pittsburgh and a couple of teams at that time. But he gave us the freedom to kind of play and everything. And then he had the, the right, right time to say hey pull the reins back let's, let's get better defensively and and that's uh that was you know a big trademark of the team to, to go on and win let's bring up a picture of that press conference Serge Savard introducing Jacques Demers as head coach of the Montreal Canadiens there you have it huh <laughs> young man young man <laughs> young man young man and let's let's bring up the card as well Kirk Muller do you still have your card there I do I do. We are on a mission. We're making a team commitment in 1993. That was number 26. That was Gary Lehman's card. And he asked everyone to carry that uh, card and put in your wallet or. Yeah, we, we, uh, that was, and again, it was all about the team. You know, we had, we got, we received that at uh, training camp and uh, they, they handed it around. They said, hey, it's a fine if you get caught with it, with it, not in your wallet or on you, you know, for the year. So all the players, and I do, I still do have it. And I, I do have it. I have it in my backpack. I could walk and grab it in 30 seconds and bring it back. And people uh, and people love the story when you when you actually show it. And, uh, and we did we did the same thing in 86. We had a medal and and everybody had to carry it. And the same thing. If people could ask you if you don't have it, you had to pay a fine a couple of dollars and wow. Yeah. Let's see if uh, let's see if that was your... that, that was that was good just just to keep the guy sharp you know yeah let's see if one of your former teammates is carrying it let's bring him in stefan lebeau how are you hello how are you guys, how are you guys? very good Hi, <laughs> i'm gonna oh, sit yeah. back and watch you guys and listen to you guys talk for 30 seconds or a minute here go ahead say hi Kurt, to you Kurt, I, i'm in uh i'm in uh I have, I have a place in helton and uh i'm in the the driving range at my golf, golf course and 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 one guy came to me. He says, I, "I I met a guy the other day at another club not far from here. I mean, Lebeau, Lebeau, so it's, oh, Stéphane Lebeau, yeah. 
He was mad at you. He says, why did you trade me? How do we beat down in South Carolina? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I was visiting a college with my son. My son is a college golfer. And we visited the nearby uh, Surge Golf Course. And we went into the clubhouse. And the guys said, I know one person in Montreal. I said, oh, yes, who it is? He said, it's Serge Chavar. I said, oh, I think I know the guy. <laughs> so I said, next time you see him, tell him he, he, he made a very bad trade. Scott, <laughs> 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 I give you full credit because you had to, we were talking about you earlier, that you had to play with old Keener as a linemate. So the fact that you had the year you did and were able to play with Keener on your, on your wing there. Yeah, exactly. Keener, we – we were good on the ice together, he, and outside the ice, we had a lot of fun. And you know, Keener, uh, Kirk, and he, lots of life, love, lots of energy, and a great, great person. Serge, this yeah. is funny because when I started the conversation with Kirk, I said, "Kirk, I've been working in the business for 20 years, uh, so I started in about 2002." But back in 1995, I got my first taste as an intern. I worked for about three months. And my first day on the job was to cover a Montreal Canadiens practice at the old Montreal Forum in 1995. And everyone was saying, Kirk Muller's upstairs in Serge Savard's office. Kirk came down. You had just traded him to the Islanders for Pierre Turgeon. <laughs> he came down all emotionally, started crying. I was rattled. I was scarred. I went home. My friends, my mom gave me a call. She says, how are you doing? I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I was so emotional. <laughs> I knew that was, a, that was a that was a big trade for me. The following year, after four games, I got fired. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, I knew and, it was and since then, the Habs is struggling. We yeah. had a, we had a good we had a good team. We we had a good yeah, team. We had a good group. Hey, Serge, guys, uh, Kirk, I won't keep you too much longer because I I would imagine you have plans, but. Uh, you guys brought up Ron Hextall before, and everyone remembers Kirk's goal uh, in Game 5. Actually, I remember Kirk's goal even in Game 3 because you're down you're down two games to nothing in Quebec. You come back at the Montreal Forum for Game 3. You're down one nothing in the game. Kirk, you tie it up in the second. Vinny Donfou scores the game winner in overtime. <clears throat> so you win Game 3, then you win Game 4. You go to Quebec, and you score that goal between Hextall's legs, but in Montreal, guys, do you remember Mario Roberge was trying to get under Ron Hextall's skin in the warm-up? You remember that? <laughs> Mario's good at it. Yes. Yeah. He's, Ron <laughs> Hextall. Like, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Kirk. I don't know what you mean by. Just saying, uh, I mean, that was the beauty of the group, right? Everyone everyone had a, a part in it in different ways. Mario obviously brought that toughness and. And, and, you know, back then, that was, that was a tough series, you know, it was, and, uh, you know, Mariel's ability to get under some of their skin was, was a big gossip for us. Um, yeah, Ron Hextall had a superstition. Uh, he had to touch the, the center dot during the warm-up, and Mario noticed it. And he asked uh, Jacques Demers to be in the, in the warm-up just to disturb uh, Ron Hextall, <laughs> and it worked, I guess. Jeez, <laughs> there, there's there, there, there's a lot of superstition. You know, I never had any, but I remember when I came in Montreal as a rookie, and we had a guy on defense by Terry Harper. He always had to be the last one to leave the ice in the warm up, and 
the first couple of games, the guy, the guy told me, Bilbo, and those guys says, just try to stay on the ice. <laughs> I stay on the ice, <laughs> and the Zamboni <laughs> machine is waiting for me. And Harper wouldn't say anything. He would just stay there till I got, <laughs> till I came out. I finally came out, but he would never come out of the ice. He had to come last. Yeah, cl but, yeah Claude Lemieux had a superstition in 87, but it got him punched in the face a couple of times by Ed Hospiner. <laughs> <laughs> A good old brawl there. Yeah. Really, yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey Kirk, um, I've been told that you have something. You have a souvenir from that uh, from that final. I do. I uh, was given this. It's a really funny story. Uh, when I scored the Stanley Cup winning goal, I didn't know it was the winning goal at the time. I had a friend here in Kingston that has season tickets to the family in Montreal for years. When you watch the game uh, just prior to me scoring the, the uh, or I sorry, I score the goal and then right after the play is resumes later on and the puck goes up in the uh, stands and comes down and my buddy's in the third, fourth row behind the, the glass, behind the goalie and catches it. And you can see it oh, if you ever wow. watch the game. Lou Vidala and he kept the puck. And then as the game ended, he goes, Holy, I look back, that was actually the Stanley Cup winning goal puck. So he saved it for like 10, 15 years. And then later, after 10, 15 years, he goes, I got a gift for you. So he gave me the puck. So I kept the gloves and the, uh, I don't know if you can see that. Oh, yeah, I can see it. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. Oh, oh good. Yeah, that's good. pretty cool. And, and that's the only way I got the puck was through a, a friend. You know, what are the chances of him catching it? in the game and keeping it. So oh, it's got a nice little milestone. I, I got a similar story. My, 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 my first goal in Montreal in 67 in, in October, I think, against the Bruins. And I'm so happy. And I scored a goal against Boston and Cheevers in the net. So I hurry up to pick up the puck. You know, you know Cheevers. He took the puck and shoot it in the stands. <laughs> 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 oh, <I> love <laughs> and other reasons but you know you what you know what the, the guy returned it the guy returned it oh, just oh, sorry that you the, the guy returned it hey kirk yeah. we got a we got a picture of you lifting the stanley cup uh before we let you go here i want to bring it up look at that can you begin can you put into words 30 years later what that moment felt like for you oh it it Put it this way, you know, I mean, we're not like Serge where we won, you know, more than one cup. You know, when when you win that first one like that, it's not that it, it was a dream just that year. It's, definitely, it's your whole childhood, your whole life you want to win a cup. And so it's not like you think, even though it was like a hard year and to win it, it's, it's your whole life that you waited for that moment and just wish you could do it. And I remember I waited to the third turn because that's where all my family was sitting and uh my parents and brothers and sisters my wife and everyone so you know was celebrating right in front of them in montreal in front of that crowd it, it it's just hard to explain how, how amazing it was i remember like we know the stanley cup is is a marathon you were like skin and bones like right down the street <laughs> you, you had nothing left eh you do, uh, you do drop the weight. Yeah, it's pretty hard. It's, it's yeah, and it's still to this day. You watch the playoffs now, and well, you watch guys. The guy had a lot of guys in the tank at the end. You know, we finished strong each game. Yeah. 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 How did uh, Kirk? Uh, how did it all play out? I, I think you were going up against Gretzky's line in Game One, 
uh, if memory serves me well. It could be wrong. And then I think it was Carbonell's line the rest of the way. And you said it early on in this conversation that when Carbonell would go up against the other team's top line, obviously took a lot of pressure away from guys like you and guys like Donfus and guys like Bello to be able to do their thing more offensively. Um, talk to me about how that decision went down and how it impacted you the rest of the series. Well, I, I you know, obviously we lost game one. Uh, I think I played a lot against Wayne that night. It didn't work out well. So. <laughs> but, but that was the beauty of the team. You know what? The the adjustments, uh, Carbo game two uh, matched up a little bit more against them and opened up for staff and your line. And, you know, with with, with my, at that time, you know, it was with Brian and uh, John LeClaire. So it gave us a little more room, a little more, you know, because we're playing a team that was totally different than us. They were all offense and up and down, you know, Western Hockey League uh, or Western style at the time. Uh, so this just kind of gave us a better balance, a different look. And, you know, it ended up being, a, you know, obviously the results were there. That uh, was a good adjustment to make. Kirk, it was so good to see you once again. Congratulations on your 30-year anniversary here in Montreal. We'll never forget it. You put a smile on so many people's faces. I mean. Including and- mine. <laughs> <laughs> That was the best parade I've ever been at. <laughs> yeah. We have a picture of the parade by any chance with Kirk. Oh, man, man. I don't know if we – there we go. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, I guess I let the hair go. <laughs> hey, I, I think I think that parade was – which is traditionally on St. Catharines. I believe that one was not. Was that one there not on Sherbrooke Street? Yeah, the, yeah, that that's the uh, Notre Dame Hospital that we saw in the background. I think it's it was from the police and the firemen. They they asked us to be on the float and and to be uh, to go on Sherbrooke Street. And uh, so yeah, because the, in '86 they had major problem with the security. So it, it went well. I, I think I think they looked at the roster and said these guys already spent enough time on St. Catharines. So let's put it somewhere else. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, you're lucky when you saw his picture. That was at the beginning of the parade. <laughs> hey, hey, Serge. Whenever, whenever one of the where players, were he, he's part of Montreal. <laughs> hey, Serge, Serge, we can say it now. But whenever one of the players visited an establishment, hey, did you get a call? When what? Whenever think- one of the players. Let's just say a couple of nights before a game would go out for a beverage. Would you know? Oh, no, 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 no. We didn't check the guy that much. I mean, the guy didn't know what to do. And uh, I've been a player too. I know, I know what's going on. I'm not crazy. And uh, everybody has to take care of themselves. There's always exception. And, uh, you know, uh, one night uh, I, I remember Pat Burns says, uh, uh, tonight, I don't want anybody around Perry around that street. And... <laughs> so, uh, Pat and I, we went, uh, we went for a ride on this big Cadillac, and then we go by in front of Chipperie's uh, island across the street in his car. He says, I'm not Chipperie, I'm in, in my car across the street. <laughs> 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 what a classic. Uh, Kirk, it was so great to see you again. And and yeah. uh, once again, uh, thinking of you, Kirk, all the best to you. Thanks. Good seeing all you guys. Kurt, all Good to best. see you, Kirk. Take care. Where's home right. right now, Kirk? Where's home right now? I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Kingston right now. I, Kingston. I came back. Okay. Yeah. I come back to the lake here. So, uh, 
just got back a couple of weeks ago. So I'm around all summer. Enjoy yeah. the summer. See you, Kirk. Yeah. Have a great you summer. You guys. All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Bye-bye. That was amazing. Hey, Serge, you um, rightfully so. You had a chance to pump Kirk Muller's tires early on in that chat. Mm-hmm. We talked about that trade you made to acquire him uh, and what it did for your team. And the fact that he was, you know, the third leading goal scorer during the regular season, he was the second leading goal scorer in the playoffs. He was the second leading point getter in the regular season, second leading point getter in the playoffs. You know, Stefan LeBeau was one of my favorite players on that team. And Stefan knows this because I've told him this so many times. I thought Stefan was incredibly underrated. I mean, lo and behold, Stefan LeBeau in 93 had 31 goals and 80 points in 71 games. You talked about the depth of that team, but I always thought he was a very underrated player, Serge. Yeah, well, uh, that's the way it was in those days. You know, how do you explain guys like that, that they, they, they go undrafted, you know, a guy like it was 12 rounds, my team going undrafted, you know, it, it's unthinkable today. Uh, I don't know why people, I guess talent is talent and, and, and people, People in those days, yeah, they want big players. They always care of, of, of a small player. But but uh, Andre Bichard was five 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 six at best. You know, they, they, there's great little small players, and uh, everybody they're afraid of uh, touching small in those days. Yeah, especially in those days because what was going on in hockey with the when the flyer came uh, after the seventy two. Uh, you know, they had four or five goons on each team. So it was getting a lot tougher for a guy of that style. That that that's why yeah. we had we had a problem in the league and and I talk a lot against that all my life. It talks about fighting all my life and uh, and and finally finally we were starting to get rid of that now. Hey, in his last but, 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 uh, in his in his last three seasons in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Stéphane LeBeau at 146, 167, and 188 points. And like you said, you brought him up to the Sherbrooke Canadians. He was undrafted. And his first year, he picked up 134 points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah wow. But, yeah, I'm not smarter than the others. I didn't draft him either. <laughs> but 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 right after right after the draft, I signed, I, I signed him yeah. right away. And, and uh, I guess... Like Mike Keane, I knew Mike Keane a lot. He played he played midget with my son in Winnipeg. I knew he was the best player in midget. And uh, how the hell we did draft that guy? It's unbelievable. Stefan, let, let's talk about the playoffs. Uh, you actually, you know what? Let's let's backtrack. Um, your team struggled down the stretch. Why do you why do you think that was? What happened? Well, we had some up and downs uh, during the the regular season, obviously, but we did add one stretch. I think we went uh, for eleven games without a loss. So during that time, I, I I really thought that hey, we we can be among the best NHL team that year. Uh, but of course, toward the end of the season, for whatever reason, we lost a little bit the chemistry. We were not effective or as much effective as we. We were during the regular season. We were searching a little bit ourselves. And uh, I think it took uh, Jacques Demers uh, thinking uh, just a few games before the end of the season to uh, make sure we were getting back on track. 
and uh, he, he did something special uh, which the players uh, uh, were a little bit caught by surprise when he did that but it turns uh, perhaps the things around it took a few games yeah. but uh, and of course when we came back from the Quebec series uh, then after that uh, we went uh, all in Serge Patrick Waugh had a um, a difficult final month and a half. It all coincided with a promotion with upper deck hockey cards. Uh, you know, billboards throughout the city of Échangé Roi. Some members of the fan base who weren't educated about it actually thought it was serious and there was a campaign to trade Patrick Roy. Um, what did you say to Patrick before the playoffs started or maybe after dropping the first two games to Quebec to help get him back on track. Well, I I I didn't think Patrick played that bad. You know, it, it was it was the whole team played the way. You know, I I I you know I he started in '86 with us. He won the Conor Smythe Trophy in 1986. He was not like a rookie in '93. We knew what you know. We knew what he was able to do. Uh, it was it was just the whole team, you know. We I think we 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 lost eleven of the last eighteen or something like that. We didn't we didn't finish the season very very well, but but we had a good team. We just turned things around. Uh, I in my career uh, we had the great team, and I remember a couple times we lost in the first round. A couple times, you know, we, we, you know, you just can't win. You gotta get, you gotta have your team ready at the right time. Yeah. And, and, and not too many people believe we could do it, but we turned things around. Yeah. Even the two games in Quebec we lost, we had a great chance of winning each of one. Yeah. You know, it was 0 2, but it's not like Quebec destroy us. You know, I, I, I felt very good after those two games because the way we played. And that's what I told the players, just keep playing that way, and I'm sure we will win. There was a story of a book with Patrick Waugh. Did you give Patrick Waugh a book, or did you say something to him before the playoffs started? Me? Yeah. I, I don't remember. No. I, uh, okay. I, I, I chat with uh, a lot of guys, a lot of players. I don't remember in Patrick especially. Well, I do remember the famous wink, which was in a game in Los Angeles in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, look at that. There you go. That that made the uh, <laughs> that made the the the, the news uh, for a long time. That's a great picture. Wow, Stefan, talk to me about playing in front of a goalie who says to you guys in overtime, "Just go ahead and score the goal. Don't worry about it because they're not scoring on me." And at one point, he has so much confidence and so much swagger that he winks at Thomas Sandstrom in an overtime game in the Stanley Cup final. He's winking. <laughs> Talk to me about that. Well, Patrick, uh, obviously, Connie Smite, uh, trophy winner, brings confidence to the dressing room on the ice. And uh, we knew uh, he was a rock solid for us. We knew uh, he's a, a great competitor he always been and he never doubt himself and that confidence that he has from himself uh, goes into the dressing room and among the players we he did say I remember he said it that uh, sentence once but uh, he doesn't have to speak or 
good leaders doesn't have to speak. They, they go by action, uh, by attitude. And this is what happened. Patrick behave uh, very professionally, show uh, his body language. We know he was in control of his game. Same thing for Guy Carboneau, a captain that doesn't say much in a dressing room, but act like a leadership. And in, I, I think in 93, we had a quality team because we had quality individual. Very yeah. mature, very in control, uh, never in panic. And I had to say Serge is here and a little bit like Serge is, uh, you know, uh, no panicking, find solution, believe, believing in herself. And uh, you need some chance. You need quality hockey players. And we just had that. In you, know, you, know, you know, Tony, if a team is a team. If you... Uh, People, people like to say, "Oh, this guy's a good leader. We need a good leader." And I remember one time I told my players, and I, I don't know when, maybe it's '86, and they say, "If I have only one or two leaders, I'm in trouble." I mean, I, I need 20 leaders. Yeah. Everybody's a leader in his own way. Everybody, a guy that is doing his own job at, and he's trying every night, he's a leader. You know, I need 20 leaders, not one leader or one, but two leaders. That's what makes teams. Serge, I'd like to bring up a picture of uh, the entire team on the ice, of course, with uh, the Stanley Cup. Uh, what a very, very popular picture this has been over the years as well. Look at that. Absolutely amazing. Great memories. Serge, I'm going to stay with uh, Stefan for a couple of minutes, and I'll let you go. Thank you so much, Serge. Yeah, thank you, because I cut too much per hour. That's why you get rid of me. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much, Serge. Bye-bye, Tony. Stefan, bye-bye. The Senator, Serge Savard, what a guy. A quick shout-out to Murphy Clinic, an aesthetic clinic specializing in medical aesthetic care. They offer permanent laser hair removal as well as a wide range of treatments for skin uh, problems such as uh, rosacea, acne, fine lines, and more. They currently have two clinics, one located in Montreal, Shop Angus, and the second on the North Shore, Interban. They're also opening soon in Quebec City. Visit Murphy Clinic, Poinsia, or on Instagram at Murphy Clinic. Stefan, um, how did it feel for you scoring that goal that put you up by a score of 3-1, to one, probably in front of family and friends at the... Montreal Forum in Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final. How did it feel? Great. But uh, at that time, scoring a goal is... Uh, I mean, yes, you want to score a goal. I was an offensive player and scoring in the final game, it's one of the biggest goals in my career. But as a hockey player, uh, <laughs> that game, we had the chance to, to raise that Stanley Cup. So you just want to uh, find a way to be effective and help your team on the ice. Winning a face-off, taking a hit, uh, making a block shot, uh, just playing well defensively in '93 for me was uh, very important. I played those playoffs uh, with uh, two injuries. I was not 100%. So every time I was put on the ice for me it was about be effective for your teammates, for your team. And I had the chance to score that big goal. A uh, good play by uh, Keener and uh, John Leclerc to help uh, increase the lead. You know, it was tough for the Kings to score goals. So having a two-goal uh, lead was uh, very important, I believe. How did you feel earlier in the day? When you woke up, were you excited? Were you nervous? Were you stressed? Uh, 
Oh, yes. And uh, when we flew back from game four from uh, Los Angeles, yeah. we were in the plane coming back to Montreal. And of course, uh, all our family, friends, uh, media, everything, everybody thinks it's over. Everybody thinks that it's for sure they're going to win game five. They're going to raise that Stanley Cup. But uh, as an athlete, that's the opposite. We start getting even more nervous because you don't want to drop that game. If you drop game number five, what happened? You go back to LA. Okay, if you go back to LA, are we going to be able to win three games in a row over there? And then, oh, uh, what about if we come back game seven? So you, you made all those scenarios in your head. And I remember my uh, roommate at that time was uh, Vincent Danfus. And I think we it was perhaps two or three o'clock in the morning. Yes, we had the time change and sleeping was a little bit more difficult, but we couldn't sleep because we were that nervous about, we didn't want to miss that opportunity in game five. So uh, it was a very, a lot of emotion to control and to, uh, that was important. Was the team at the hotel, even when you played at home throughout that playoffs? Yes, we were. Always at the hotel. I was at the hotel, yes. We had a few days in between series that we could go back uh, at home, but we spent uh, the series at the hotel in Montreal. So you and Vinny are rooming together. Are you talking about hockey or you're not talking about hockey? Uh, a little bit, but it's not uh, 100%. Uh, sometimes uh, we, we can for sure, but it's not like we talk only about hockey you know it, it's sometimes the game is over the practice is over it's uh, good and important to think about other things uh, we watch uh, obviously when we were waiting uh, uh, to see if we were going to play New York Islanders or Ping, uh, the Penguin Pittsburgh and Mario Lemieux uh, the entire team <laughs> was watching the game and when the Islanders eliminated Penguin and Mario Lemieux we <laughs> We were in the hallway making high fives, and we, of course, we we spoke about hockey, but uh, there yeah. was more than hockey. You're right. And I, you know, uh, the 1993 Pittsburgh Penguins were the favorite to win the Stanley Cup that exactly. year, of course, led by Mario Lemieux, and they got uh, they got eliminated in Game Seven overtime on a goal by David Volek. Yes. Yeah. If more, if Pittsburgh win, uh, we play the favorite, and we start the series in Pittsburgh. Uh, by uh, the New York Islanders winning, we became a little bit the favorite and we start in Montreal. So it was a big, we talk about chance sometimes, luck, and that was that was a little bit of luck not meeting uh, Mario Lemieux in that, in, the, in that final. The moment the Penguins got eliminated, did you, Stéphane Lebeau, say to yourself, I think this cup is ours? Well, I, I told you before, I thought during that regular season that the ring, the, the, the cup could be ours. I really thought that it was possible for us to win that Stanley Cup. Not the end of the season, mostly during the, a part of the season. In the NHL, the first two rounds are very demanding physically and mentally. When you pass that second round, you smell the blood. This is where you start believing that it. I'm close now. Game two of the Stanley Cup final versus the Kings after dropping game one by a score of four to one. 
You're down two nothing. Eric Desjardins narrows that lead to two one. Yes. There's a couple of minutes left in the game, and Jacques Demers calls for an illegal stick on Marty McSorley. Let's take a look at a picture here. Yeah. There you have it, Kerry Fraser measuring. We've yes. heard so many different theories from so many different people. How did the calling of Marty McSorley stick? How did this all go down? Well, you want to have my side of the story? Yes. Okay. The dressing room in the old forum, okay, uh, was uh, uh, on the same side. Uh, the, the hockey stick of the visitors, between periods, they let the stick in the hallway. So we had, we had access to the sticks of the opponent during the season. But during the playoff, it was not the case. So the Kings made sure that they had one pe one person uh, sitting beside the stick so nobody could uh, watch their stick or measure their stick. But back then, a lot of players were playing with illegal stick. What I mean by that, it was the curve was were a little bit bigger than allowed. Were you? I was not. Mine was a little bit longer and a little bit thicker that I had to shave them. But during when playoff arrives, Vincent Danfus, uh, perhaps uh, John Leclerc, I don't remember if Brian Bellows, a few players, it was just a little bit over the limit. But you always add a good stick with go good measurement. So at the end of a game, if the game was closed, you were switching. So you made sure that if you get called, you had a legal stick. And it was so obvious. I think we were hesitating be between Luc Robitaille and Marty McSally. Those curves were just huge. And today, uh, we don't use that rule anymore. Back then, it was very often used by teams, even during the regular season. So in the final trailing... 2-1, we are desperate. We cannot lose two games in a row in the forum. So we had to make the call. And Jacques and Guy, I think they, they spoke. They decided to go with McSorley. And they made the right call. And that at that time, it was uh, a, a strategy that we could use. And we did. Yeah. And Eric Desjardins ends up scoring on that power play, tying the game at two. You go to overtime. He completes the hat trick. Wow. You win three, uh, three, two. You go to Los Angeles. John LeClaire scores the overtime winner in game three and in game four. Yes. In game five, of course, we discussed. Hey, Paul DiPietro, uh, the unlikeliest of heroes, scored a hat trick in game six versus the Nordiques and a 6 3 win at the Montreal Forum. And in game five, scored the first goal and the fourth goal. Yes. Unreal. Yeah. Yeah, Paul played some awesome uh, playoffs that year. You know, you it takes a lot to win a Stanley Cup. Uh, and uh, you need players to rise at the right moment. And during those overtimes, uh, many uh, of them came through with big goals. John Leclerc, two big goals in LA. You spoke about uh, Paul DiPietro uh, having great series. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that was 1993. Uh, an awesome team. 
I'm sure you think about Jacques Demers every day. I'm sure you're thinking about him a little bit more today. Oh, almost. Uh, I think about Jacques very often. You showed that picture uh, when we are, are on the ice uh, previously yeah. with Serge. And this is obviously my favorite uh, picture. Let's bring Why? it back up. Let's bring it back up. Yeah, this is uh, this is unbelievable because uh, I'm there on the on the ice with my blue blade on the right side, and I was four years old, five years old, living in Saint Antoine de Laurentides near Saint Jerome, and I was telling everybody that I was going to be an NHL player and winning the Stanley Cup one day. And that night, it just happened. And why I like that picture so much is. I could not do it by myself. So all those person and we're missing uh, perhaps people in the back, but it takes all those people to help you win the Stanley Cup. And I have so much gratitude that we all share the same dream. We all push in the same direction. Uh, the management, uh, coaching staff, the, the staff, the players that are uh, not dressed, It took all that to win that Stanley Cup. And people sometimes, yes, of course, Patrick Wall winning the Conning Smythe Trophy played a major role. But the orchestra, uh, the, the chief that organized all that is Jacques Demers. He believed in us, make us push in the right, in the same direction. And of course, uh, Jacques Demers is uh, a big part of 1993. And uh, I, Think about that guy and especially what he is going through in the last couple of years. He's a great man. And uh, thank you, Jacques. We're thinking about you, Jacques. We love you. Stéphane Lebeau, on behalf of the city of Montreal and Montreal Canadiens fans around the world, thank you so much for those great moments that you made us live 30 years ago. And happy 30-year anniversary. Merci beaucoup, Stéphane. Thank you, Tony. You're very welcome. Thank you. Have a great one. All right. There you have it. Stefan LeBeau, Marinero, the sick podcast brought to you in part by Murphy Clinic, Playground Poker, Energy Transportation Group, and La Bit at TV. If you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did, hit the like button, share it with your friends, tell them to subscribe to our YouTube channel. The more the merrier. We can't do it without you. They had their team. I have my team, you, my sick army, you, my sick community. If you listen to it on Google, Apple, or Spotify, leave me a five-star review. It's my way of feeling your love and your appreciation. For Agnello and Sammy at Master Control, they're Cavallaro. I'm Marinaro. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. <laughs>